Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hi, and welcome to another Unveiling Grace podcast. Yeah, that's the name of where we are. This is the Unveiling Grace podcast. Um, can you tell it's been a while since we've recorded some of these episodes together? I'm Joel Grove. And I'm Lynn Wilder. Good to be back, Joel. We are talking about an article that um, was in the Salt Lake Tribune lately. Yes, it's creating a bit of a stir in the social media area. It was titled, Please Don't Throw Me Out of the LDS Church for What I Wrote in This Column. And a sports <laughs> column writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, Gordon Monson, had 20 suggestions, 20 ideas that he thought would be helpful if the LDS Church changed it. And I'm, I'm thinking he's thinking things that would help people for feel more welcome or more drawn to it or less likely to leave because we know there is this continued departure exit. We had well over a hundred. I don't. We had well over a hundred people just this year join our one um, MIT Talk support group on Facebook um, who were in the process of leaving or had left, and so. And I know we're just one of many groups like that that are out there. So, but what we were saying was, it's not just a matter of lightening the performance load within biblical Christianity. And even if the church implemented all 20 of his suggestions, and many of them are good ones. I mean, there are things that are that are damaging, that are shaming. So even if the LDS church made all 20 of those changes, it still wouldn't qualify as a biblically Christian church or denomination because on so many of the major points, it stands opposed. And we talked about some of those in the previous episode. So Because they're all things to do, things to do, things to do, things to do. And basically all he's saying is let's reduce some of those so they're less. Yeah, so tithing, instead of 10%, <laughs> let's lighten it to 5%. Right. But wait, that's still 5%, and that's still a requirement, and that is a work, Joel. Right. And this is what um, this is what it says in the Bible. What's the work of God? What does God require of us? Does he require tithing? Does he require temple attendance? Does he require serving a mission? Well, someone actually asked Jesus this question, and um, this is what he answered. Then they asked him, this is in Matthew 6, what must we do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus answered them and said, the work of God is this. Does anybody know, know the rest yeah. of this scripture? To believe in the one whom he has sent. That is your privilege and my privilege to have faith 
in Jesus. It doesn't say to go to the temple. It doesn't say to pay your tithing. It doesn't say, oh, let's reduce some of these works. No, no. Jesus Jesus carries the burden. And when you accept Jesus, his burden is light, he says. Yes, because there is nothing we could ever do that would allow us to earn the favor, favor of a holy, righteous, perfect God, because as sinful people, we sin every day. Uh, Romans 3.23, I remember when a pastor friend shared this with me. He said, you realize, Joel, and um, my wife and I were going to him for counseling back quite a number of years ago. Our marriage was struggling. We looked at each other and said, okay, we need help. Let's go get help. We went to a trusted pastor friend. And part of my thing was, I really thought, for a lot of my life, I thought if I just worked hard enough at my Christian life, I'd get to a point where I could just coast. You know, I'd put oh. in the effort for the Christian life. I mean, I didn't think my work saved me, but I did think my works were kind of like getting me in good with God. And if I got in good enough with God, I'd reach this point where I'd get to this peak. And then from there, I could just kind of coast for the rest of my life. Oh. And he's like, Joel, you know, that's never going to work. And he was a number of years older than me. But what he said is this, he said, are you aware of what, what Romans 3.23 says? It says, for all have sinned, past tense, and fall short of the glory of God. That fall short is present. That is our everyday reality. Every day we live, every moment we take a breath, we fall short of the holiness and the righteousness and the perfection oh. of God. And it's why Jesus came to introduce a new covenant of grace where he says, yes, you're going to fall short every day, but guess what? I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to do the will of the Father perfectly. And then after I've done all that, after I've kept every commandment, every ordinance, every law, I'm going to give that to you as a gift. So now you are credited with the same righteousness, the perfect righteousness I have. And that totally changes everything. Because now anything we do is gratitude. None of it is performance and simply lightening the load isn't going to help in the long run. And like you said, I don't care if you're demanding 5% tithe instead of 10. If a religious organization is demanding something that you have to do to be in good stead with God, then that's a performance-based religion. And it's not grace, right? Right. Yeah, let's see. Where's that scripture we, where he says, if it's not we are saved by grace and not by works. It's a free gift of God. If it's grace, it's not works. If it's works, it's not grace, right? Yes. The two are complete opposites. Yeah, and they there's... don't, as, as Mormonism says, they go together or they're pluses. Yeah. You do this plus. No, um, they're actually opposites. Yeah, and I think it's Galatians. Um, Galatians 2 those says, who want to be justified by the law are fallen from grace, says yes. in Galatians 5. Oh, Galatians 2, yes. Don't nullify God's grace because righteousness doesn't come through the law. Righteousness yep. only comes by faith in Christ and through his grace and then the grace that he imparts to us. Yep, and in the very last verse of that chapter, he said, I don't nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for Christ no purpose. died in vain, in yeah. King James. Yeah. So, so if you can do it, then, then why do you need Jesus? Exactly. Yeah. 
and and really the whole new covenant new testament faith is the fact that we do need jesus um, i've been reading reading through john um and just trying to take my time go through it little by little i'm i've read through the book multiple times but and what i'm paying attention to is what are the things jesus is saying about himself um and then how that relates to our relationship and over and over he's like everything and what i've really been struck by is um i think it's in in chapter 15 where he talks about i'm the van i'm the vine and you're the branches the only way you can do anything is if you abide in me you have to be organically connected to me just like a grapevine is connected to the larger branch and i didn't understand this um but he says if you're not connected to me then you just wither and dry up and you're good for nothing the only thing a grapevine is good for if it's dried up is to be thrown into the fire it's good for kindling that's it and i'm like you know i wonder why he says that and then there was something else i was reading that was saying well yeah um Great vines aren't like other wood, like from other trees. So if you get a, tr a big tree that dies, you can repurpose the lumber. You can build shelves or tables or chairs, but grapevines um, or any sort of fine for produce, man, if they're not producing fruit, they're worthless. You don't repurpose them for anything. Um, you just, they become kindling. And I was like, wow. This like connection that I need to have to Jesus is so important because if I'm going to do anything that's worthwhile or significant, it's going to come from that organic connection. And just, you know, over and over, he says, I'm bread, I'm the bread of life. I'm water, I'm the shepherd, um, I'm the vine. It's like everything we need comes through our connection to Christ, not through a religious organization. Not and not by works right in matthew 7 lord lord did we not do many works and yes. he says to them i never knew you your works have no value because you were not connected to the vine you did not have faith in my works right in what yeah. i did on the cross yeah it's and that's that's so so powerful there was one lynn i wanted to ask you about in his list because yeah. it stood out to me just because i've i've talked to former mormons who serve missions and even had to come home early for whatever reason and the stigma and one of the things that he one of the things he suggests in his list is eliminate the stigma for those who do not serve missions or those who go on a mission but later are deemed not deemed worthy or those who return early. And for maybe our, our non-LDS audience who listen in, can you explain just some of that culture of mission serving and not completing your whole mission? Let me do it with a story, Joel, from okay. when I, I was at story, BYU. So. <laughs> so do you know, when I was at BYU, if you did not, complete a full two-year honorable mission and you were a, an LDS male and you went to BYU before your mission and you went out on two-year mission, you could not come back to BYU really? if you had not completed a full two-year 
honorable mission. Wow. So let, let me tell you a story from one of my, one of my students. Um, okay. He came to me one day and said, I went out on a mission. I was so excited for my mission. But a couple of months in, I'm with this companion 24-7. And I started having feelings for this companion. Yep. And so I went to my mission president and I confessed that I was having this problem. I intended for him to tell me what to do to make this yeah. problem go away. And instead, he immediately sent me home from my mission dishonorably. Oh, wow. Because I was having LGBTQ feelings right for this and he said I'm not sure that I really he said I just feel like it was the circumstances and I needed for him to tell me well do this and this or read this scripture and you know things will be good well he gets sent home he he uh his ward at home announces that he's now home from his mission he's only been out two months, everybody knows that. And they oh, know that man. something disgraceful has happened. Plus he's got the thing that he went to BYU before his mission and yeah. now he won't be able to go back. Wow. This kid went to his, his stake president who is the one who gives you permission to go to BYU. Okay. He, he was, he went to his state president and camped on his doorstep and slept there 24 hours a day until his state president felt sorry enough for him to sign the papers for him to be an exception to go back to BYU. Wow. But he was telling me how horrific an experience this was to be shamed and Publicly, not to be able to go yes. back. Well, even if you don't announce it from the pulpit, everybody knows you don't come home from a Mormon mission after two months, right? right. Something obviously happened. You did something wrong. That's an example of how uh, serious you can be shamed within the culture for not serving a full honorable mission and so wow. this man certainly has is giving the suggestion that we need to back off on all that guilt um, but of course you can't really do that in a performance-based faith either it's a requirement or it's not a requirement right, right? exactly yeah. yeah and man again that is so different from grace and and i'm not going to say that this sort of thing doesn't happen within the evangelical church because again i i know people within my own circle of traditional evangelical christianity who went to a youth pastor or somebody saying i'm struggling not even that they've necessarily done anything they just wanted to be open and unfortunately they were not encouraged and so this can happen and yet Biblically, what's supposed to happen is we extend grace, we help people, we apply Romans 8.1, which says there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. because Jesus took the wrath of God when Jesus died on the cross. 
the full laser focus wrath of God was on him for our sin, all of it. So there is no sin of mine, past, present, or future, that already hasn't felt the wrath of God while it was placed on Jesus, which is why there is no condemnation for me. Now, that's not a license to sin because, and again, this whole organic connection, because I love Jesus and I want to follow him and I care about him and I love him so much and I have this close relationship, I'm not going to do something intentionally to hurt him or to bring disrepute to his name. Yeah, I'm capable of sin, but when I do, then I want to confess that and move from it because it's so contrary to my new nature in Christ. And so, so then, there's this... Go ahead. I was going to say, so there's this, there should be this freedom to be authentic, to be honest with our struggles, because we all still struggle. We all, I mean, we still have the flesh. The Apostle Paul talked about it in Romans 7. Hey, some of the stuff I don't want to do, I do. And some of the stuff I really want to do, I don't do. I'm a wretched man. What hope is me? What hope is there? And it's like, thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, who is my hope. And then from there, he goes into Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because at the end of the chapter, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, the love of God when we're in Christ. So, yeah, where were you going to go with that? And yet, uh, in the New Testament, God equates works-based faith with slavery. He equates being dragged back under the law, which is what Mormonism does. It puts you under an Old Testament law, except the Mormon rules are not at all like the Old Testament <laughs> Jewish rules, right? It's something Joseph Smith and the Mormon leaders have come up with. It's not biblical. Right. And, and um, it also says in Romans, right? Why would you be, why would you, once you're free, be dragged back into slavery, be right. dragged back under, under the law? Yeah. And I just finished a whole um, online course, eight weeks with about 15 to 17 pastors and leaders in Africa, in Kenya and Uganda, and did it online. And the whole focus was on the old and new covenants and the dangers of mixing them. Because over and over in the New Testament, it's like, no, you don't bring the law back into bear on people. Once they're in Christ, you don't bring circumcision or law rules or Sabbaths or any of that. And yet in every or performance based religion, yeah, or tithing, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet over and over, that's what you see in performance-based religions, not just the LDS religion, but you look at Seventh-day Adventism and all the food restrictions. Those are all based on the law. You have tithing requirements in so many. Um, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, you have blood. One of the things he said is don't idolize church leaders. Uh, But again, Uh, this is a standard thing that performance-based religion has, thinks it has to have. There have to be, and it's always men, pretty much, with authority, right, who talk to God and then tell you what God says you should do and where you should go and what you should eat. And yet... um, the Bible does not make those distinctions. And it says we have direct relationship. We're not to have anyone in between except Jesus. Right. And under the old covenant, you, you had this incredible hierarchy where you had you had God and then you had the, the high priest who was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies once a year. 
and you had other priests underneath him, and then you had Levites underneath them, and with every step down, your immediate direct access to God was was removed by another mm -hmm. step, mm -hmm. even to the point where the king of Israel did not have the same access to God that the high priest had. I mean, because the king couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. There were some places the king couldn't even go into the temple. So under the new covenant, what you have then is only two categories. You have God, and then you have his children who have free access to him through the person of Jesus Christ. And every intermediary is done away with completely. There's so much freedom there. Grace brings so much freedom because we all have the spirit to the same degree. So whether you're the pastor of a church, whether you're a missionary, whether you're an evangelist, whatever your calling is within the body of Christ, every person has the same Holy Spirit, the same amount of the Holy Spirit, the same access to the Holy Spirit, the same access to God. And that's why we don't get to dictate for other people because the Holy Spirit may, now obviously there are, there's in the New Testament, there are moral rules and obligations that are the expectation for what it means to live a holy life. But apart from those very clear instructions, I don't get to tell you how you live your spiritual life, Lynn, um, or anybody else. And so it should be this beautiful amount of diversity and welcoming and realizing we're all, not only are we all equally free, we're all equally messed up. So. so the idea of old covenant, new covenant, I wouldn't have understood in Mormonism. So just real quickly, let me say that Jesus himself in Luke 16, 16 said the law and the prophets were until John. He's talking about John the Baptist. Yes. So John the Baptist, he also said, was the, the last great prophet. So the law was in force until Jesus came and died on the cross. And once he came, everything from the Old Testament is buried. It's not useless. It has its purpose right. and certainly gives us many understandings. But all things became new when Jesus came. All things new. And so that is the new covenant, the covenant of grace, the covenant where um, men and women and children and anyone who believes in Jesus all hold a royal priesthood yes. and all are equal in the eyes of God and have a direct relationship with him without layers of men in between. Right. And that's, and that's such a beauty. And that's what we want to hold out to our listeners. I mean, that's why the subtitle of our podcast is Come Experience a Grace That Heals, because yeah. this grace does bring healing. It brings healing emotionally, it brings healing socially, it brings healing spiritually to who you are, because as you are organically connected to God through Jesus, you have a relationship now that covers, and it, again, it doesn't mean that we don't suffer, it doesn't mean that we aren't fallen, but there's provision in grace so that we can both accept ourselves and we can accept other people and we grow and mature. I mean, I look back to my life and my marriage five, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I go, praise God, there's been movement, there's been improvement. And while I hope to sin less every day than the day before, 
my focus isn't on on my sin management it's on my organic connection with god so that the more i love him the more i love other people and then the more i'm committed to to doing good um and the less you have a desire to do anything that that does not make him happy and how do you know what makes him happy well this is our standard this is where we go for all yes. of our answers and for all of our learning and to know who jesus is you know you were talking earlier about the book of john you've been going through the book of john yeah. john was the last apostle to live he yes. knew jesus for a long time and he lived the christian faith a long time in the early years and then he wrote his books and so he understands the nature of god and he has more love and grace probably than uh, than you find probably anywhere else in the new testament the book of john i highly recommend to folks who are in performance-based yes. religion it changed my life and took me face down in surrender <laughs> well that is a great place to end lynn and to all of you who listen thank you thank you for being a follower of the podcast we encourage you to scribe Subscribe. Um, if you've been helped, feel free to leave a rating or a review on iTunes or Google Play. Um, we've been so encouraged. Um, we're up. We're beyond 70,000 downloads for the podcast now. And so we want you to experience this grace that heals. And we encourage you to share it with others so they can experience it as well. So, Lynn, as always, it's a pleasure. Grace and peace, Joel. Until next time. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out, and for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.